Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 34 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. Today, we're talking about something that I know will really resonate with you if you're anything like me and you follow lots of wellness bloggers, YouTubers, and Instagrammers who are constantly creating content with like perfectly arranged smoothie bowls, these beautiful rainbow salads with like avocado art on top super intense adaptogenic latte concoctions with like superfoods and mushrooms and CBD oil and who knows what else. They make it look like the perfect wellness lifestyle is really easy and effortless and fun and like aesthetic. And it's weird, like being a content creator and influencer myself, I should know better than to take all that stuff at face value. But the truth is, I still struggle with comparing myself with other influencers because it seems like they have it all together all the time. Like they have the secret hacks that make a wellness lifestyle super easy and effortless and fun. And like they make it seem like kale is the most delicious thing ever. But thankfully, there are people out there who bring me back down to earth. And Gracie Gordon of Hungry Blonde, who is today's guest, is one of them. She is super real and honest about what real life wellness looks like behind the scenes of the perfectly curated content that we usually see. Gracie's approach to food and wellness is super honest, approachable, and refreshing. And I know that you will love her message as much as I do. I can't wait for you to hear from her. And we sat down and chatted all about her experiences living in New York City, how she stays grounded in the city that never sleeps, simple and actionable steps to reset and recharge when overwhelm hits hard, building a healthier relationship with food and exercise. She has a ton of insight on that how she has carved out her own definition of real-life wellness and how you can do the same, and just all sorts of eye-opening nuggets of wellness wisdom that will instantly make you feel like you really can do this whole wellness lifestyle thing, even if you haven't felt that way before. But before we get into the episode, let's do the review of the week, shall we? This one is from Rachel Bethlin, and she said, Finally, someone curating a podcast for women's emotional and physical health. Five stars. What I love so much about the Grind and Be Grateful podcast is that the topics are not static like so many others I've attempted to listen to. I love how Marie curates each episode to be something relevant and necessary that can actually add value to my life. I love the most recent one on hormonal health educational, empowering, and inspiring. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I really do strive to make sure that every episode includes actionable takeaways and is truly helpful for everyone that tunes in. So I'm super happy to hear that you left a review and just that you've had a great experience with the show. It really is my baby, and it means a lot to me that you think so highly of it. So as a thank you for your review, I would love to send you a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt. So once you hear this, Rachel, go ahead and DM me on Instagram at Marie E. Wold to let me know, and I'll get your size and shipping info and send you a shirt. 
If you're listening right now and you're not Rachel B, you can get a chance at winning review of the week by leaving the show a rating and review on iTunes. You might just be featured on the show and be the proud new owner of a limited edition Grind to Be Grateful t-shirt. They're not even for sale right now, so you would be a lucky girl. And leaving a rating and review literally only takes one minute, but makes my entire day, honestly. So thank you in advance if you do so. Again, all you have to do is search for the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone, find the ratings and reviews section, and then add your own. This week's episode is brought to you by my favorite skincare company, Tula. Before switching over to Tula exclusively at the beginning of 2018, I had never used products like theirs. And within just a couple of weeks, I saw a noticeable difference in my skin. I thought that I could either have natural, clean products or I could have effective products. I didn't know that they could coexist. And what's even better and what's so special is that Tula uses probiotics as a foundation for all of their products. And I'm sure you've heard of probiotics for your gut health, but probiotics for your skin have also been proven to help promote the look of skin's natural balance, locking in moisture to leave your complexion more hydrated and reducing the appearance of inflammation. And I have certainly found that to be true for myself. Not only are the probiotics in the products incredible for your skin, but everything is also clean, clinically proven to be effective and made of high quality ingredients that like really nourish your skin Plus, everything is cruelty-free, so you really don't have to sacrifice efficacy or ethics in order to get products that you feel amazing about using. And you guys know that I'm extremely picky about what goes in and on my body, so I'm super grateful to have found products that work and have great ingredients that I just really trust and feel good about. If you want to learn more about Tula's products, they have a great skin quiz on their website that will break it all down for you and match you with the perfect products, as well as a bunch of awesome bundles with little trial sizes so that you can figure out what you love the most. So head on over to Tula.com and take the skin quiz, browse their products. If you end up grabbing anything, you can use code Marie to save 20% on your entire order. Again, that's T-U-L-A.com and the 20% off code is just my name, Marie, M-A-R-I-E. Hey, Gracie, thank you so, so much for being on the show. I can't wait to get to know you better and share your knowledge and stories with my people. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, so for any of my listeners that have been following me for a while, they know how excited I am to have you on here because I'm a total foodie. Like, I have literally gone to New York City simply to eat food. Like my entire days were spent going from breakfast to second breakfast to lunch to dinner and walking everywhere in between (laughs) to balance it all out. And so it sounds like the foodie stuff is kind of where you got your roots, but The Hungry Blonde has grown into so much more. So can you tell us about who you are, how The Hungry Blonde got started and like what your personal story is and how that has, you know, shaped you and your business to where it is today? Yeah, definitely. So I, growing up, have always been a foodie. I've loved food. I've loved cooking and baking. Um, But as I got older, I also got really into health and fitness and wellness. And throughout the years, it was kind of always an interesting challenge to balance those two passions of mine. And so Mm -hmm. I started blogging gosh, like over 10 years ago, I had I had a separate blog, which we might talk about a little bit later, but I started to be able to express both of those things and 
I found that there was such a community of women out there who could relate with that. They loved food. They loved that lifestyle, but also were interested in, in healthy living. And so Hungry Blonde, the purpose behind it was really to bring those two worlds together. And so I talk a lot about my, my punchline, so to speak, is real life wellness. And so mm-hmm. kind of bringing my love for wellness into my love for food as well and how that looks in actual real life. Yeah, I love that so much because one of the most common things is when I am meeting someone or people comment on my Instagram, they're like, oh, I could never be fit or I could never live like you because I like food too much. I'm like, girl, I love food probably more than 95% of people on the planet. And like, I am a total foodie. Like, I love cookies. I love going out to eat. I love traveling, trying new restaurants. Like, that's not really a reason to not take care of yourself and it's not pursue <laughs> a healthy, balanced lifestyle. So I'm super excited to get into like the tangible as well as just like the high level stuff as to how we can balance those things and marry health with also being a foodie and just like loving to eat and live life to the fullest, you know? Yeah, it's definitely possible. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you are based in New York City, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I'm dying to know, like, what are your favorite things about New York? Because it seems like pe- people either love New York or they like can't leave fast enough. And you are totally one of those people that loves New York. So what are some things that you love about the city? And like, what are defining moments that really stick out to you that made you fall in love? Yeah, definitely. So I yes, you're right. I love New York. I've, I've actually always loved New York. And it's been a dream of mine to live here since I was a little girl. And so I think that's even one of the reasons I love it because every day I'm reminded that it was a dream I've had for a lifetime that has actually come true. And so there's there's always a special place in my heart. Even when I just walk out of my apartment in the morning, I'm like, oh my gosh, I still yeah. live here. And it's been eight years. I'm like, is this ever going to get old? But I would say, I would say that my favorite thing about living in New York is there's just this energy here that can't be described. And I think the people that live here and the people that visit it, you feel it when you're here. And I think if I had to explain what it is, it's this feeling that everyone who either lives here or visits here comes here for a Mm -hmm. purpose. They're excited to be here. And, and a lot of times, you know, it's been a struggle to make it here. And I think that because it's a place where it's not necessarily an easy lifestyle. There's this essence of we're all in it together and we're all overcoming this struggle to live out this dream and, and it's worth yeah. it. <laughs> it's really, yeah. it's fun. It's, it's a roller coaster of a lifestyle, but that's kind of what makes it so magical. Yeah, for sure. It's so funny that you mentioned the camaraderie thing because I'm from Minnesota and obviously it's not fast paced like New York necessarily, but I know that sense of camaraderie when it comes to Minnesotans and Midwesterners in the winter. Like we have this weird pride about how we have to be like so hardy and resourceful to survive in the winter. And so I feel like New York City is kind of similar in the fact that people really take pride in like you have to be really hardy and resourceful and committed to like make it and thrive in that sort of setting. So totally different like setting, but I can relate to that like community vibe based on, you know, the challenges that you face. Yeah, and absolutely. It's really beautiful because it brings people of all walks of life together. Yeah. So you have all of all different ages and ethnicities and just everything. And it's really, like you said, a, a really cool camaraderie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a total melting pot. And the times that I've gone there, I can totally 
just the energy is super contagious and you feel like you could do anything. Well, one moment you feel that way and maybe the next moment you feel like you're just like hopeless, but it just, it can be really empowering if you have like the right attitude. And so since it's the city that never sleeps and there's like always stuff going on, I can imagine that it can be really tricky to like take care of yourself and stay balanced and stay grounded. So have you ever struggled with that? Oh, absolutely. I still struggle with it, to be honest. You know, it's something that is, it's kind of an art form of sorts. Mm -hmm. And it's something that requires being intentional every single day. When I first moved here, I definitely learned the hard way that I would have to be more intentional about taking care of myself and making sure I keep, you know, my health and my relationships and all of my priorities in check. Uh, When I first moved here, I was just I was all in as far as kind of the social life goes. And I just started this new job. So I was working all day. And then I, you know, I really wanted to meet new people and get plugged into the city. So I was going out every night and I burnt myself out quite a bit, but I, I wouldn't change any of that. I don't regret any of that because I think that that was such an important part of my journey to get me to where I am today and how I view and live out balance that I, I definitely, I wouldn't take it back. If I yeah, did. for sure. Sometimes we really need those seasons of like push and then followed by a season of like rest and reset. But it's not necessarily about like every piece of your life should be in perfect harmony all the time. But it's more so like knowing when is the season to push, when is the season to pull back, and then also having the tools to like do the pulling back to reset and practice that balance when it's needed. So like, what are some of your tools, some of your go-tos for like resetting when you're feeling burnt out or just like you've been pushing a little too hard maybe? Yeah, definitely. So like we keep coming back to this whole concept of balance. I think the biggest thing for me is just I'm, I'm never too hard on myself if I do kind of, you know, push myself a little too hard. I just remind myself, you know what? life is like this. It ebbs and flows. One week I might be out every single night at a work event. And so maybe the next week I try to take a couple more nights in and really focus on self-care and just really, just really remind myself that it's okay. Life has its ups and downs and I'll eventually get back to, to the center. And some more practical ways that I do that is for me, journaling is always my go-to. I sit down in my bed, I pull out my journal. At this point, I have like Mm -hmm. five different journals for different things. And I just, I just start writing. It's not, it's not any sort of beautiful writing. It might not even make sense when I go to read it back, but it's just a really good outlet where anything I have kind of pent up inside, I just get it out on paper and I release it. And I can almost instantly find myself coming back to that place of like, okay, I'm centered. Everything's going to be okay. And then the other thing is I love getting a good sweat in. Um, For a long time, that has been obviously through working out. I'm very into spin class and boxing and and other classes like that. But lately, I've been very into infrared saunas. Okay, cool. I've been sharing about those uh, on my Instagram a lot. I don't know how they're popping up elsewhere outside of the city, but they're, they're pretty popular here. And so that's kind of where I go to get, you know, alone and not have my phone in front of me and just sit and kind of meditate and sweat it all out. And that always makes me feel good. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's actually one here in Austin. I've been meaning to try it because there are so many benefits as far as like sweating, detoxification, like the meditative aspect. And there are also a ton of benefits as far as like combating inflammation. There's benefits for your skin. Like there's just more and more stuff coming out about how good the infrared saunas are. So I totally want to give that a try. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. That's like my big, that's my big like trendy wellness thing yeah. I'm having right now. <laughs> yeah, there are so many and we'll like get to that a little bit later. But I'm curious as to, do you have like routines built into your day that really keep you like anchored and grounded no matter how crazy everything else is? Maybe it's your morning routine or your bedtime or whatever. Do you have those anchoring grounding routines? Definitely. The morning is... It's really the only time that I have control over because once I get into my day, I never know what's going to happen, what twists and turns are going to happen or what's going to come up at night. And I don't know if I'm necessarily going to get my evening routine. So I really try to be super intentional in the morning. Recently, I must admit, I was very guilty for a long time of waking up, instantly checking my phones, checking my emails, checking Instagram. But a couple of months ago, I... I really put my foot down with myself with that. And now I make sure I don't even really even grab for my phone other than turning off my alarm until at least 9am at the earliest. And so I really try to, it depends on the morning. I do like to get a workout in if I can, but even more so important than that is setting aside time for myself to, like I said before, journal and meditate. Um, Sometimes I'll listen to like a, a podcast and Yeah, just really, really have that me time before I jump into the day to set my different intentions and and really go into the day with strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. And as far as like not going for your phone, I've buckled down on that too in the past few months and it makes such a big difference. Like if you don't let yourself have that information overwhelm right when you open your eyes, your headspace just feels so much clearer. You have so much more like intention through your day because you didn't start your day by seeing like what everyone else is doing. You didn't start comparing to them. You didn't start seeing like how many emails are waiting for you to answer. Like you can just focus on yourself. And I think sometimes we believe that if we don't get to stuff right away, like it's going to be too late, but there are almost never like true fires to put out right when you open your eyes. Right. Right. So we just have to let go of that. And so when it comes to like keeping your headspace clear, the morning routine is so huge, but throughout the day, like especially living in the city, it's super stimulating, especially being an entrepreneur with like a million things to do. Do you have any like grounding techniques that you use for those moments where you're like chest breathing or like feeling a little anxious or maybe like starting to spiral? Is there anything that you always return back to? Definitely. Well, first of all, if I'm starting to feel stressed out or overwhelmed, I try to actually just stop whatever I'm doing and and put it on hold, even if it's for just five minutes. I'll put my headphones on, I'll put either an inspirational podcast or some music on and I will just get outside. And even if it's a quick walk around the block, I think that just getting out of the element of whatever is giving me anxiety and getting outside and getting fresh air is just it instantly turns around my mood. Yeah. I'll also sometimes, you know, I have I have my people that I'll either, you know, do a quick phone call or text and just say, hey, like, can you just think about me right now? I'm a little stressed out. Like, do you have any words of wisdom or advice? And and that usually really helps too. And then 
once again, I mean, going back to the writing, I feel like that's like a theme of my life. I just, as much as I can get things out on paper, it's, it's almost like that instant release. So, mm. so writing is definitely plays into that too. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure that those techniques and tools become more and more important, the more your business grows and the more people you connect with. And just as like your success builds, it becomes more and more important to protect your space, protect your energy, protect your mental health, just because the bigger you grow, the more connections you make, like more and more people want things from you, more and more people are trying to get a piece of your time. And then that's not in a bad way at all. Like it's so awesome. But you also then have the responsibility to like protect your energy, protect your space, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think these days as you know, social media grows and more and more people are working remotely and we're, we're entering this world where work is kind of more of a 24 seven thing. Mm, I think it's so important to even more than ever remember the importance of, of the mindfulness and disconnecting. And I know for me, I'm one of those people where I love when my to-do list is all caught up, Mm -hmm. but recently I've realized, okay, so this to-do list might actually never end. Yeah. <laughs> like it's always, you know, there's always something new. There's always something to add. And so instead of making my goal to constantly be checking these things off my list, I want to be, you know, more present and and make my focus be, to be putting myself first and putting my my health and my mental capacity first. Yeah. Lately I've been working really hard on being okay with like saying no to stuff, not accepting every single opportunity, every single phone call, every single thing, because saying no to something leaves space for yes for something else, but also being okay with like not finishing my to-do list for the day, because I tend to be that person that says like everything is urgent, everything is important, but there's actually a difference between like what's urgent, what's actually needs to get done today and what like should get done, but nothing bad is actually going to happen if you don't get it done. So I've been, yeah, I've been like challenging myself to be okay with leaving stuff undone. Like if I'm at 9 PM at night and I still have like two more things on my to-do list, I could do them, but is it actually going to yield like a net positive if I have no time to wind down? If I have no work-life balance versus if I like saved it for tomorrow, got it done then, and just, I don't know, creating those boundaries has been a huge practice and a huge help for me in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. I even, that just reminded me something I've been trying to practice more is looking at my to-do list more intuitively. Mm. So almost like, even if there is something that was on my list for today that I thought was very important if I keep putting it off and putting it off and not getting to it, maybe there's a reason why. And maybe today is actually not the day to be doing it. Instead of being in this mindset of everything needs to get done right away, I think maybe this is something I'm supposed to be sitting on a little bit more because maybe this is actually not supposed to be a yes for me. Or maybe I need to respond to this email in a different way because it it doesn't align with my objective as much. So we're realizing more and more that just because something is on my to-do list for today, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to get done today. I mean, obviously there are things with deadlines and whatnot, but really, really being more mindful of stuff like that. For sure. And especially as a creative, it's really important to make sure that you're like in the right headspace for whatever your tasks are. So if one of your to-dos is to like write a blog for next week, 
but you're feeling like super not creative, not in the right space to write, and it's like just not happening for you today, obviously it would be better off to save it for tomorrow or another day when you are feeling good, when it's going to like flow versus forcing it and just like our work is never going to be at 100% if we're constantly forcing it and like pushing through that resistance rather than trying to like navigate around it. Being flexible is so important. Yeah, absolutely. So with your blog, obviously you write a ton. I'm sure photos are a big part of it. I'm sure getting back to comments and obviously um, Instagram is huge now as well. But when you started your blog, was that at a time where like blogging was already like a career path that was possible or what was your like original intention when you started your blog? Like I said earlier, I started blogging, gosh, 10 or more years ago. Mm -hmm. I had another blog. It was called Girl Meets Life. It was a lot more lifestyle focused. I liken it to kind of a Carrie Bradshaw-esque kind of situation where I was writing multiple times a day and just saying, oh, here's what I did today. Here's what I wore today. Here's some inspiration. I was fresh out of college and it was actually, I'm I'm really dating myself here, but it was actually before Instagram even existed. Mm -hmm. And so blogs were kind of the Instagram of the time. And so people were posting all throughout the day. I discovered them right as I was about to graduate college. And I was just reading them for a year or two. And then as I got ready to graduate, I thought, oh, wow, this could be kind of a fun way to get my foot in the door if I did want to get a job in journalism or marketing or something like that. And this was around the time that the thought of potentially moving to New York started to come to mind. So I thought it could be a good fit. And so I started blogging really just as a hobby. And I thought it was really fun. I started connecting with other bloggers and I would go to blogging conferences and stuff like that. And pretty early on, within a couple of months, I learned it was something I could begin to monetize and do, um, at least at that point, semi-professionally. And so over the course of maybe six months or so is when I also decided to move to New York. And that's when my blog really took off. I think I think a lot of my readers were just very fascinated in this, this life-altering move that I was about mm-hmm. to embark on and, and really just following that journey with me. And so around that time, I started blogging um, and working with more brands. And then I started working with those brands to help them build their social media presence. And it almost turned into an unplanned little career path of mine for a while. So I guess over the course of the past eight to 10 years that I've been in New York, well, I guess it was about four years ago, I made the transition over to Hungry Blonde. um, Just because I, I was just getting older, my interests were changing, I was becoming more and more passionate about food and wellness. And at the same time, I was beginning to value my privacy a little bit more. And so my other blog was a little bit more, you know, it just, I was talking about a lot more things about my personal life that I didn't really necessarily want to share any longer. And so I made the transition to Hungry Blonde and it really, it grew exponentially. It grew way faster, especially on Instagram. So yeah, just been kind of doing that for the past about four or five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a cool journey. And I can relate in the sense that like I started my Instagram eight years ago when Instagram was just like a little baby platform and no one was making Mm -hmm. money from it. Like people just thought that it was a place to put filters on your photos, like throw Valencia on there and call it good. Um, (laughs) And so starting your career based on like a hobby that you're super passionate about seems to be super common among like creative entrepreneurs because when you start with passion and you start with something 
something that you genuinely love doing that allows you to have like a long-term career that you like continue to be passionate about and incorporating your own self into the brand allows you to like pivot the way that you have. And so that's really, really cool and something that like not everyone can do if they don't kind of like execute it properly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with blogging and Instagram specifically, the driving force that never goes away is not only is it a creative outlet, but there's the opportunity to connect with people Mm -hmm. day after day. And so even on the days where I do get a little bit burnt out and I'm like, oh, you know, do I really want to go in the kitchen and make something right now? Or do I really feel like even scrolling through Instagram, I think, you know, there's always these opportunities to connect with people. And that's such a motivating factor. Yeah. So you connect with people a ton now on the topic of like food freedom and realistic wellness. And so I've found that a lot of times when I'm really passionate about talking about a topic, and it's been the same for a lot of my guests, is we're passionate about that because we have struggled with it or have overcome it or have experienced it in some way. So what is your story with food freedom and just your relationship with food in general? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's so funny because kind of like going back to what you were saying before about the passion and how how our stories evolve with these interesting careers of ours. Mm-hmm. I never I never anticipated that I would have this kind of message behind Hungry Blonde. It was more kind of just kind of just a for fun sort of thing. Um, but now it's turned into so much more with the with my food freedom message. But basically, I mean, like most girls going back to when I was a teenager and I started hearing about diets and and people started, you know, my my girlfriend started working out and stuff like that. I started to just kind of get into this, this idea of, oh, I should be eating this way and I should be working out this way and I want to look good. And so just as normal teenagers do, I started learning more about different diets and nutrition and, and it was harmless enough throughout my teenage years. And mostly in college was when it really peaked was when I just got so consumed in what's the best way to eat? How can I lose these last five pounds? What's the best workout that I should be doing? And without even realizing it, you know, it just becomes a big part of your life. And the irony is you think you're doing something that is good for you. You mm-hmm. think that being healthy is this great responsible thing, but it kind of turned into this thing of its own that eventually became just something I was thinking about too much and, and was becoming you know, just too much of a priority in my life that was holding me back from other things that I wanted to pursue. And so I guess a couple of years ago now, I actually remember specifically the moment I was, I was lying in a bubble bath and I think I had just failed another diet. It was probably one of the versions of low carb diets Mm because that was always kind of my default. I was lying in a bathtub and I, I felt like, oh, I failed again, like for the millionth time. And I don't know what came over me. I felt like it was, you know, God speaking to me or something. But I I felt like in my heart, I said to myself, I am never going on a diet ever again. And it was one of those moments where like, I knew that I was for real. Like, I was just like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm just done with it. And it was the most freeing feeling ever that I I, I didn't even know that I needed it. Because like I said before, here this whole time, I thought that these diets were healthy, and they were the the best thing for my body. But in reality, I was just like, totally draining myself mentally and emotionally, and even physically at that point. 
And so I had this aha moment. And right after that is when I started to just address it more on my blog and start sharing my journey. And once again, I think it was one of those things that my readers and followers started to pick up on because it was so personal. And I was, I was going through the journey with them. I wasn't, you know, all of a sudden stepping into it as this like expert as I'm, I'm still not, but for me, it's always been, you know, here's where I'm at. This is where I came from. This is, you know, my experience. And I just really, really want my, the other women to experience the freedom that I yeah have. yeah it's honestly that that struggle of like always feeling like you are trying a new diet failing a new diet is so relatable for so many women I don't know the exact percentage but I was reading an article recently and it was just talking about how a lot of American women spend like the majority of their life attempting to diet and clearly that's not effective given like our health and like obesity problems and things like that in our country like diets are not the answer and we keep trying to like give ourselves more rules more guidelines more structure and the more like rules and restriction we pile on the more we just like doom ourselves to fail right like it's not sustainable and you keep failing yet you keep trying to do the same thing and expecting a different outcome which is like the definition of insanity right but we're just so we're so conditioned to like always look for the next diet try the next thing and like try the next rule whatever it might be and so like escaping that cycle can be so so hard absolutely I I have a blog post it's one of my most popular posts and it's called the best part Mm. of dieting um And which kind of sounds like (laughs) clickbait, but um, it's not because I talk about how the best part of dieting, and it's something that I'm constantly reminding myself because I'll still see these false promises come up, and I think, oh, maybe try this. But I remind myself over and over again that the best part of dieting is that very beginning, maybe even before we even start the diet, where you've believed these promises, you've believed that this is the time it's finally going to work and you're going to have these results and it's going to change your life. And this one really is a lifestyle. And you, for a moment or for a couple of weeks or a month, even you have this sense of freedom of, Oh, this diet is going to change my life. It's the answer that I've been looking for, but it never actually stays that way. Right. So what we keep falling for, I think is this beginning part of the dieting that has all of these promises and we forget that they never actually stay that way. Yeah. Do you think people are like addicted to the feeling and the hope that they have at the beginning of a diet, like that feeling of starting fresh and like the possibility of it? Yeah. That's like addicting. Now that I have food freedom, sometimes I almost even miss that feeling because it's this weird, like it's this weird high of tomorrow when I wake up and start this new diet, my whole life is going to change. But when you have food freedom and you realize that food and weight and health actually doesn't have this huge hold over your life anymore, it's like, all right, so like, what am I actually seeking fulfillment from then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of clients and just followers and stuff that let me know that they're actually scared to like let go of their struggles with food and exercise and all of those restrictions that they've been trying to place on themselves like they've been gripping them so tightly that letting go of them is scary because it's like become their comfort zone and like that's become their normal and so freedom is actually like kind of terrifying 
Absolutely. Yeah. And you find yourself, I know for me, and this is still something I'm learning as I, as I go through my journey is finding other ways to emotionally cope with life situations. So not even Mm -hmm. necessarily that even if I wasn't emotionally eating per se, being able to control your diet or your workout routine or something like that in and of itself is this way to emotionally deal with things and, and maybe even suppress other things going on in life. But once they don't really have a hold on you, it's like, oh my gosh, I guess I actually have to deal with this right. other thing going on in my life. Right. You can't just keep using food to numb out and like avoid things. You actually have to face them head on. And like the only way out is through. So it becomes kind of like a scary, daunting task to like pursue food freedom, but it's so, so worth it. So can you explain like what it feels like and how it looks in your life? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a very interesting thing because I am very passionate about food. I love it. I obviously love eating it. I love making it. I love the social aspect of it, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, it, to be honest with you, sometimes it just, I don't think about it at all, which is, is a weird thing to say as a food blogger. But, you know, sometimes I I go to post a photo of food and I'm just like not really feeling it. And I'm like, this is so weird that I'm, I'm posting a picture of food on Instagram for people to see, because I just, this glamorization of it for me is gone. Um, Like I said, it's still something I love and a huge part of my life, but it's not It's not on this pedestal that I guess it it was when I was dieting. With that being said, I think that food freedom, it's definitely a personal thing. I believe it looks very different for everyone. For sure. I do actually truly love eating healthy and nutritious foods. So I'm still, you know, a pretty healthy eater when I eat at home. and, And usually during the weeks I cook for myself. I tend to be, over the past couple of years, I would say I'm more... I lean towards being plant-based just because it's very convenient for me. And it's just, I find myself more likely craving lots of vegetables and grains and, and I'm just a big carb person. But when, you know, I'm dining out, which is quite often because I live in New York, all bets are off. I eat and order whatever I want, whatever I'm in the mood for, whatever I'm craving. I don't second guess it for a moment and and I go for it. That's incredible. It's crazy. I never thought that I would be able to do that without giving it a second thought. Right. But I think that the irony is, and it's funny because I've always heard people say this and I was like, yeah, right. You don't actually feel this way. But it really <laughs> is true that once there's nothing off limits and the food loses the glamorization, you don't really need it as much. So if I'm out to dinner and I'm sharing pasta with my friends, I'm fine with a couple of bites. I don't need to have an entire plate full for myself and then followed up with dessert. I'm just like, you know, this was great, but now I'm full. I'm done. It's not this, this big ordeal anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally can relate to that. Back when I was like a fitness competitor, for example, my diet was super strict. Like everything was perfect. Like I tracked everything, weighed everything never messed up my nutrition. But then I also like thought about food all the time and like the food that I was craving all the time. I had like albums of food screenshots on my phone because I was so obsessed with all the food that I couldn't have. And then when it finally came time for me to like enjoy that food after a competition or once my season was over, I would like eat until I felt sick because I was like, oh, I won't be able to eat this again anytime soon. Like I didn't get to eat this for the last 
you know, six months or whatever. And so like now's my chance. And I would eat as much as I could in that like post show or post season period. And so it was like this pendulum swing of like being super restrictive and then going overboard. But now I like let myself eat whatever I want. And nine times out of 10, when I'm at a restaurant, I actually want to pick like the nourishing option because that's what my body wants. Or like, if I do want dessert, I'll get dessert, but I don't feel the need to like eat the whole thing and then also come home and like eat ice cream out of my freezer or whatever. Like once you stop putting so many rules on yourself, food just loses its power and you don't think about it 24 seven. Absolutely. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. And I think I mean, on that topic of dining out, I think for me, that's one of the things that living in New York kind of in a weird way almost forced me into food freedom Mm -hmm. because it made me realize I had all these social events and going out with friends and going on dates. And it was one of those things where I thought, okay, what is actually more important? And I realized that those social gatherings were way more important than what I was or wasn't eating. And so instead of canceling plans so I could stay home and make this low carb meal, I was like, no, life is more important. I'm young. I live in New York. I'm not going to turn down these opportunities that I'm going to look back on as potentially incredible memories in my life. And I would rather, you know, embrace them and go share a meal with with people, you know? And so I think that that was a huge driving factor for me when I realized that I had a life priority that was bigger than what I looked like, or even necessarily, you know, how healthy I was being. I think that that was a really important shift for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm really curious with like food freedom with radical self love, like you talk a lot about self love and body image as well, which is so so awesome. And there definitely needs to be more of that. But with those beliefs in like food freedom and self love, and self acceptance, like where do you stand in the question of whether or not those things can coexist with pursuing a health and fitness goal? Like, can you pursue food freedom and self acceptance while also wanting to like change your physique or meet certain goals? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I actually get asked that all the time. I definitely think that the two can coexist. It's a message that I'm really passionate about sharing because I think it all comes back to that balance. You know, we live in a society that is so all or nothing, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is why the diet mentality is so strong. But for me, when I feel good on the inside, I think it's only natural to want to feel and look your best on outside as well. Right. I don't think that it's one or the other. I think it's more of a holistic approach and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're wrong or you're vain for wanting to look good. And, you know, to be honest, I'm, I'm a single woman in New York. And I think that for me, if I'm wanting to put my best self out, if I'm going on dates or meeting guys and I want to, I want to show the best version of me. And I think that there's a way to do that without being obsessive and, and wanting to look good, I think can even be a form of, of self love. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I do get a lot of questions of that as well as like, how can you be an advocate for self love and, you know, positive body image and confidence, no matter what you look like, but also be like setting fitness goals and wanting to change how you look. And it's like, 
you can be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. And I think it's also like a form of self-love is being grateful and accepting of where you are right now, but also knowing that like you can have better, you can do better. Like if we just use self-acceptance and self-love as a reason to stay in the same place, we're never going to develop as people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is too, like what we put in our bodies and how we move our bodies has so much more to do than what we look like. And it's about how you feel. I mean, think about how amazing you feel after an incredible workout. I know for me, like, especially now that I've been practicing food and fitness freedom, it's, it's the best feeling to finish a workout and not care or know at all the number of calories I burnt and just thought, I'm a badass. I just finished an amazing workout. I'm sweaty. I feel amazing. Like I'm going to go take on the world. And that's the kind of energy that I want to put out into the world. And so if eating healthy most of the time and and being fit makes me feel that way and be a better contribution to, to the people around me, like that's, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And there's also, you should consider that like when you are nourishing your body, when you're moving your body consistently, like your body will naturally change and like look healthier, look more fit and all of those things just because your lifestyle is embodying that. Exactly. Yeah. If you start from a place of self-love and say, I'm going to really take care of myself through eating right and moving my body, like the physical piece will more than likely follow anyway. A thousand percent. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I mean, now that you bring that up, it is such an interesting result of me practicing food freedom because it was not my intention at all. But within probably a year of deciding I was going to give up diets altogether, I realized I actually had lost a ton of weight. And like I said, that was not the intention. It wasn't even a goal of mine whatsoever, but it was just this natural response because I don't know if it was because I was eating less or because I had was putting less stress on myself. But the irony of it is as soon as I actually gave up these diets that were promising me that I would look a certain way, that my body just naturally went to this set point where it, it ended up losing weight. Yeah. When we let go of like huge expectations and huge pressure on ourselves, we're actually more consistent. First of all, so you were probably like eating healthier on average because you weren't going from like extreme restriction to extreme like YOLO mode, you know what I mean? And you were probably also just making more balanced choices because you were choosing from a place of like being grounded and free instead of like uptight. And then yeah, just not having stress and not being so attached to the outcome gives your body a chance to be like to breathe and figure out what its happy place even is instead of like keep trying to force what is not like currently meant to be. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's really cool. I used to hear people say all the time, you know, listen to your body. And I thought, how, how the heck am I supposed to know what my body is saying? But, but the yeah. food freedom really taught me that. It, it's so interesting to sometimes be waking up and wanting a cupcake. And so I say, okay, I'm going to go get a cupcake. And then the next day, my body might want a green smoothie. And so I have a green smoothie. And I never trusted myself with that because I thought, if I just go with what I'm craving, I'm going to eat like crap all the time. But when you really get to the point of truly trusting your body and listening to it, you realize that it wants that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so with your food freedom journey, was it all very like 
intuitive and self-reflective where you just kind of figured it out as you went along? Or did you have any like favorite resources that got you pointed in the right direction? Yeah, definitely. So a couple of resources that definitely helped me were the book Intuitive Eating. I recommend it to everyone, whether you're overcoming dieting or you're just looking for a more intuitive lifestyle. I would definitely suggest that one. I'm also a big fan of the book Food Freedom Forever. It's by uh, Melissa Hartwig, who is one of the founders of the Whole30, which is very hit or miss for people in the whole like food freedom world. I personally got a lot out of it because I was able to take what she had to say about food freedom and apply it to my own life and what I knew would work for me and my lifestyle. And so those were two that really helped me. And then the rest, honestly, was truly just lots of trial and error. And I'll be honest, there were times where I wanted to give up and I tried to eat low carb for a day. And then I was so overcome with that feeling of being back on a diet that I I was like, absolutely not. Like, I can't do this. I will not let myself get back to this point. And I would, I would just break it off. Right. I also found it really, really helpful to have people to hold me accountable. And so one of my best friends, she kind of was going through a similar thing. And so we kind of were on the journey together. And so if I was having a bad day where I said, Oh my gosh, I feel like this isn't working and it's never going to stick. And I wish I could just go back to the safety of a diet. She would kind of you know, talk me out of it and remind me of the journey. And then definitely the biggest thing for me, and this is such a blessing, is being able to share the journey through Hungry Blonde was the ultimate accountability because I knew that I had so many women that were benefiting from me sharing my story and beginning their own journeys of food freedom that I almost didn't want to let them down. And so it was such a motivating factor to to continue on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with your platform, like I'm sure everyone super appreciates you being really vulnerable and honest and open about like what you personally do, like what your personal nutrition, workouts, like mindset, what all of that looks like. And I think people really, really benefit from that and seek out people that are sharing those things because there's so much information out there. Like there are so many articles, there are so many um, new studies, there are so many bloggers that are sharing like so many different things like crazy morning routines and different adaptogens and supplements and treatments and practices and routines. And like, it can be super overwhelming to figure out what actually works for like you as an individual. So yeah, yeah, like what is your personal process like for figuring out whether or not like a wellness practice is going to serve you and add value to your life? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. And this is where I might vary a bit from other bloggers or influencers that um, talk about food freedom and intuitive eating is I so, so much believe that it's different for everyone that I even believe that there are people that could follow a specific diet lifestyle and still have food yeah. freedom at the same time, depending on, you know, what works for their body. And if, you know, knowing yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically. So just really knowing yourself on that holistic level, I think is the first step. So for me, I knew that having absolutely zero restrictions was the best option for me personally. So I think that 
really just doing the deep dive into, into who you are outside of just physical health and really going into that emotional mental level would be the first step. Um, I also think that just doing as much research as you can is great. I think that there's so many amazing resources out there, not just, you know, obviously there are a lot of different influencers and, and bloggers that have great insight, but different, you know, doctors. I love Dr. Mm -hmm. Axe. He's one of my go-tos. Um, Dr. Weil. I'm always kind of reading up on articles, but like I said, going back to knowing myself, I always take everything I learn and I think, okay, can I actually apply this to my own life and will this actually work for me? Um, and so I think that just knowing yourself and being in tune with yourself is so important. And then just remembering that I think, I think sometimes it's so easy to get overwhelmed with all of the for information sure. that we're being fed, whether it's with different eating styles or supplements or anything like that. I think it's really important to remember the basics and that is getting enough sleep, <laughs> getting enough water and eating vegetables. And it sounds like so like kindergarten level at this point, because we have the adaptogens and, and all of these special wellness things going on. But when you really, really break it down, especially for me, like if there's a day where even if I know I'm going to go out and have three pieces of pizza for dinner, I think, all right, what can I do for my health? And it's, I can definitely do my best to get enough sleep. I can drink a ton of water throughout the day and somehow pack in a bunch of vegetables. And I think that sometimes we overcomplicate it and forget for sure. the basic building blocks. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the good nutrition, enough water, enough sleep and like daily movement, all of those things make up like 90%, right? Like if it's a pyramid, that's like the vast majority of the pyramid. And then like the supplements, the different routines, the different practices, the different, like, you know, the infrared sauna, stuff like that. Like that's the 10% like tippy top of the pyramid. And people exactly. spend like way too much time trying to figure out the 10% versus like solidifying the foundation of 90%. Exactly. And I think that I think that what's so backwards these days about this whole diet culture is it's so focused on restricting and taking things out of our diets in our lives. And for me, I'd much rather focus on, okay, what are the positive, beneficial things I can add into my life like those things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you just have an, an approach of like empowering, like empowering people to do their own research, try stuff on, see if it works for them, like just empowering them to make their own decisions instead of like, here's what I do and you should do the exact same thing too. Like that's super powerful and super beneficial because I think the worst thing you can do for your health or one of the worst things is just to like blindly follow what people tell you to do. Yeah. So I just love that that's like built into your platform. And I know that everyone listening now wants to like see more of your stuff, read your blog, check out your Instagram. So where can they find you? Yeah, I love that. I'm on Instagram at hungry.blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E. And my blog is hungry-blonde.com. Okay, perfect. And the last question, we always end the show on this one because it's the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. And the question is, what is one thing that you are currently grinding for? And what is one thing that you are hugely grateful for? Oh, I love that. Thanks. So this is actually completely unrelated to everything we just talked <laughs> about. But I, a couple of months ago, made a personal goal to, I really wanted to learn something new that was was purely for 
my self growth Mm -hmm. as a person. And so I decided to pick up uh, playing the piano, which is something I did as a child that I really forgot everything and totally lost the skill. And so I bought myself a digital piano. It's tucked away in my little New York City apartment and I bought some music and I've been, I've been practicing from the ground up. And so it's been a challenge, but it's been a very inspiring journey for myself because as an adult to learn something new that I'm very bad at is a humbling experience. And so I'm, I'm finding the benefits of it trickling into other areas of my life, which has been um, a very interesting, interesting thing to learn. That's super cool. One thing that you are hugely grateful for? I would say what I'm hugely grateful for is I'm actually, especially this year, I've been very grateful for the no's in my life. And that sounds a bit negative at first, but when I look back at different opportunities and relationships and situations, apartments, all these little things that I really, really, really thought I wanted at the time. I look back and I'm so grateful and thankful that they actually didn't work out the way that I wanted them to, because I can see the twists and turns that my life has taken and brought me to this place that I'm at right now. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And so I think it's really an important thing to be grateful for, not just the things we do have in our lives, but the closed doors and, and the things that didn't work out that got us to, you know, where we are right now. Yeah. I love that. I think the belief that like everything is happening for us, not to us is super empowering and really just like changes your mindset. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the show, Gracie and everyone listening, go say hi to Gracie, tell her thank you for being on the show and send her some love. But yeah, thank you so much, Gracie. Super grateful for you and your story and everything that you shared with us today. Awesome. Thank you. This was so fun. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a short review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends